You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. Well, we have now seen, at least in broad strokes, the Ford government's plan for overhauling the health system. The key is massive centralization. As we reported months ago, the 14 local health integration networks, a local level of bureaucracy created by the previous liberal government, will be abolished and subsumed into the new agency, which will be called Ontario Health. But so will six other agencies, including Cancer Care Ontario, eHealth Ontario, and Trillium Gift of Life. The other major aspect of this transformation is the creation of local health teams made up of hospitals, long-term care facilities, home care agencies, and others, and the idea is to provide integrated care. Now, Health Minister Christine Elliott, from her time as the patient ombudsman, considers the difficulty of navigating the system when patients have to move from one type of care to another as the biggest problem we have. So the government is leaving it to these health providers to make proposals about forming these groups. And the goal is to have between 30 and 50 of them, each responsible for about 300,000 people. And here's the thing. These teams would get a single block of funding to work together where they used to actually compete for funding. So is this going to work? How is this thing going to work? And first for that, we go to Francesca Grosso, who is a principal at Grosso McCarthy Strategy, a board member at Patients Canada and the former director of health policy under the Harris government, and Dr. Bob Bell, who is the former deputy minister of health and long-term care and the former CEO of the University Health Network and a cancer surgeon. Welcome to you both. Thank you, Libby. Hi, Libby. Hi, Francesca. How are Hi, you both? Bob. <laughs> okay, we're we're all here. We're all good. So, an initial take, Doctor Bell. Well, I think the minister did a fine job today of setting out a, a broad vision for her view of what the health system should look like and some of her concerns about the performance of the health system today. I think she laid to rest, uh, mentioning many times that Ontarians would still be obtaining services with their OHIP card. Concerns around this being a, you know, the thin end, the thin end of the wedge leading to privatization. She said that her view is that Ontarians should maintain a publicly funded health system. So I was pleased to hear that. I think my chief concern with what she's saying is that this is by far, by far the biggest change to the healthcare system in the last 50 years since, since Medicare began in Canada. It's an enormous change. And the minister was, uh, you know, well, she was eloquent today in saying there are parts of the Ontario health system that are performing at international levels of excellence. She mentioned Cancer Care Ontario and Trillium Gift to Life. My view as a cancer surgeon is that part of that excellence is determined by the fact that they have a laser focus on the tasks at hand for them in cancer and transplant care. And Libby, I worry about molding that, folding that into a big bureaucratic super agency and a super agency that's a large unknown to Ontarians right now. Who's going to be on the board? Who's going to be the CEO? 
Um, I think the minister did a great job of setting out a broad vision, but, you know, I think we're all worried about the details of implementation at this point. Well, yeah, the devil uh, is in the details, as they say. Uh, I want to pick up on that in a minute, but first, Francesca Grosso, what is your initial take on this? You know, as somebody who deals a lot with patients in the system and somebody who, you know, has people in her family who are unwell, navigating has become very, very hard, and people really do fall through the cracks. And while the vision that we had with these local health integrated networks that, frankly, most patients really didn't know what they were, and my family doctor didn't really know what it was, uh, did not deliver on the promise of integrating care. They really didn't. And part of the problem was that they didn't actually have carriage or have oversight of primary care, which is a fundamental block of where people go to get care. So I really am, I'm very excited at the notion of giving block funding to a group of providers coming together uh, to who will actually have the accountability to get people through the system. Uh, I think that that is refreshing. I think it had to be done with regards to what uh, Dr. Bell was saying about um, concerns with, you know, Cancer Care Ontario. Certainly that is something that was established under a progressive conservative government and is certainly a gold standard and a beacon of tremendous, um, uh, you know, does tremendous things for the cancer system. But I see no reason why it can't bring to bear uh, its learnings in being able to actually help integrate other disease types around care that works for patients. I was, I'll just finish off by saying I was specifically happy to see that the government is getting the government out from between the patient and the provider. Uh, I want to pick up on that, Dr. Bell, and of course, uh, people know my experience of the health system is with the cancer care system, and it is excellent. Uh, and Christine Elliott pointed that out. And the fact is that the system is not that excellent with a lot of other aspects of care. But uh, I, I would worry, too. I mean, if you're getting rid of the agency that runs it and, and does that and nothing but that, is there a danger here? Well, Libby, you know, your personal experience, my professional experience about the importance of frontier elements of cancer care provision. Uh, the crucial importance of investing in new technologies like genomics, artificial intelligence, and making diagnostics better in cancer. The issues of ensuring from a cost-effectiveness point of view that we're constantly looking at the literature to making sure that we're using expensive technologies to get the best results. These are areas that having an independent third party like Cancer Care Ontario as an agency with a, I'll say it again, laser focus on making sure that Ontarians get access to the best health care. Now, that's clearly happening in cancer care. It's happening in transplant care. There are areas that require that kind of focus. And probably the best example, Francesca, I think you'll agree, is mental health services. Mm -hmm. Should we be having that same kind of focused approach to mental health services? Yes, we should, clearly. But will we suffer? in the cancer system from this blurring of interest of one super agency led by we don't know who, we don't know the perspective of the board. It, it just worries me that we didn't need to make this big leap toward eliminating things that are working well. 
in order to work on well, Lib- Libby, can I just jump in here sure. because there's a couple of things that I'd like to uh, to say. First of all, the laser focus on cancer, Cancer Care Ontario deals with more than just cancer. So that laser focus that it had on cancer has been actually broadened to other chronic diseases, Look, which is not a bad thing. Uh, but I would say I didn't that, know that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it did. It, it has actually. Uh, so. I also think there are a lot of unknowns, so I agree with uh, with Bob on that point. But I think to jump to the conclusion that the functionality that works so well is somehow going to be fettered or is going to not not uh, be as um, able to deliver because it's housed where you have consolidated back offices, where you'll have uh, support with digital technologies. You know, digitization of our healthcare system, we are back in the 20th century, and the only way you accomplish that is scalable digital technologies. So there is a lot of benefits that can be had, and I, I... I'm reticent to jump to the fearfulness about, you know, losing something that's good because I'm not sure that it has to be lost at all. Well, uh, the only thing I'd say to that what, is just, uh, that's been one, the experience what, in other provinces that some of that expertise in the cancer system has been lost during the transformation to a super agency. That's part of my concern, Francesca. Uh, I'm going to bring in some other voices, but, you know, speaking of the electronic health and digital tools, I mean, uh, Dr. Bell was CEO of the University Health Network, where that works perfectly fine. It's in the rest of the system or, or building it out that seems to be a big problem. Well, you know, in terms of patients getting access to their records with Sunnybrook Hospital leading my chart with UHN that you mentioned kindly, Libby having its experience with a patient portal, certainly more and more Ontarians, several hundred thousand now are getting access to their own records. No question further digitization is necessary. No question people need more access to online resources and better customer service. We should be able to book appointments at our doctor's offices online. We do everything else online. Well, exactly. And, and you know, the, one of the things that makes me crazy when I think about it uh, is, you know, a lot of things are still done with fax machines. I oh, mean, terrible. you know, terrible. a lot of your patients... Ha- are too young to know what a fax machine is. <laughs> yeah, well, I'd, I'd like to feel I'm too young to know what a fax is, but unfortunately not the case. You know, one of the things that Francesca mentioned in terms of Ontario health teams, which is a fascinating concept, is the integration of primary care at the local level. And that's an interesting concept. But, you know, Francesca also mentioned pooling money, bringing sources of funding together at the local level. Well, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how the Ontario Medical Association responds to that. And, and you know what? The president of the Ontario Medical Association is on the line, as is Peter Tabbins from the NDP. (laughs) So uh, everybody hang on. We're bringing in our uh, two newer guests. And let's start with Nadia Alam. So what is your reaction to this, Nadia? (laughs) Libby, thank you so much for having me on the show. And um, and I'm listening with interest to the discussion. It's certainly something else. The, the announcement today has generated a variety of reactions amongst listeners and amongst viewers. From the Ontario Medical Association's perspective, the biggest thing that we're excited about is this idea of integration. And again, partly that comes from the experience of being a frontline physician and speaking for frontline physicians who have 
who have watched in frustration as the system sometimes works for some patients and it doesn't work for other patients. It's, it's very hit or miss the way it's set up right now. Um, we haven't had the time to read and analyze the legislation in full, but service integration is something we've been advocating for for a long time. And this is the first step towards bringing all the pieces of the healthcare system together in a more holistic way to better serve Ontario patients and their families. And uh, uh, are you sorry to see the LINs go? Um, I would say that there is always room for improvement. The LINs, there were some things, and I've said this to you before, there are some things they've done really well, and there are some things that they haven't done really well. Again, it comes back to that hit or miss experience with this healthcare system. That's not the way it should be. There should be clear lines of authority and accountability with the government. Um, There should be clear expectations of what patients and what providers can expect from their healthcare system, whether it's home care, whether it's hospital-based care, whether it's primary care. There should be a certain basic level of service that everybody is entitled to, and it should be seamless. It should just wrap around the patient and take care of them in their time of need. Okay, let's bring in uh, Peter Tabbins. Hi, Peter. Hey, how are you doing, Libby? Fine. Now, uh, Dr. Bell was saying that he thought Christine Elliott laid the concerns about this opening the door to more private health care to rest. Uh, Would you agree with that? Uh, No, we don't. Uh, We still are interested in seeing what the legislation uh, looks like in detail when it comes forward this afternoon. But everything that we understand to this point is that it opens the door to far more private businesses operating in the healthcare field. And we see that as a huge problem. We look at the United States where you've got a private for-profit dominated healthcare system that does not deliver what people need. Uh, Look at the UK, where the expansion of profit into the national health system undermined the quality of care. In fact, even the British magazine, The Economist, said it was bad news in the UK. So for us, uh, this thrust on the part of the Ford government to have even more for-profit opportunities is going to mean less care for people. Where do you money see that? into investors' pockets. Where do you see that, Peter? In, in the structure of the MyCare, well, I gather they're now the Ontario health teams, uh, just in the past, there were limitations on the kinds of delivery organizations that could be engaged, and that's been thrown open. So we're going to see for-profit companies. Libby, can I jump in? Because sure. I, get, I get a little bit frustrated when I hear the fear-mongering around this whole public-private debate. You know, I used to be actually a pollster. I worked with Embryonics. People for a very long time uh, have understood the difference between uh, delivery of services uh, using also private uh, organizations. We've had a split that has not changed regardless of the stripe of government that has been in, whereby 30% of all healthcare services are delivered uh, by organizations that are private but that uh, honor OHIP cards, etc., so they're paid, the pub- services are funded publicly, and that really wasn't any different under Bob Ray's uh, government either. I just find the fear monger. People have bigger fish to fry. What they need to know is they have a sustainable health care system uh, that is going to be there for them in the future, and I'll say that at the end of the day, if we can get that and we can get good services and this idea that somehow for-profit organizations do not provide good services, well, ask the person who just went and had a lab test done uh, and it is given a code that they could actually look up and find their lab results. Every lab test 
that is done in Ontario in the community is done through uh, private providers, but you don't pay with your visa card. I just think uh, the fear-mongering does have to stop. Okay, wait, Dr. Bell, um, do you agree that this opens the door? I mean, first of all, for our listeners, got to make the distinction between private private uh, provision of services and private paying. So there's no private paying here, but there are uh, private groups that deliver some service, starting with family doctors. So, Dr. Bell, do you, do you agree with Peter Tabbins? Well, I'm going to bend the conversation a little bit, Libby, if you don't mind. My big concern is not so much whether we have private care delivery. We do have that. And I want to mention the home care system, where uh-huh. probably about 95% of it is privately provided. My biggest worry, apart from the, the loss of the cancer expertise that we discussed earlier, relates to the home care patient with this massive transformation, the biggest change in healthcare in 50 years in Canada that's about to happen. And there's a lot of focus on combining funding for post-discharge home care patients leaving hospital, combining that funding into hospital hubs or Ontario health teams. My concern is for the 85% of home care visits that are not post-discharge. They're the frail patients that Dr. Lamb looks after in the community who aren't coming from the hospital. And who's actually going to be coordinating care for those patients? That's a big challenge for Ontario health teams to take on in the future. And I'm worried that this huge transformation is going to allow people like that to fall through the cracks. Well, well let me let me just a minute. Right. Let, can I pick up on that? Um, so uh, the thing is that that system isn't working very well now. People mm-hmm. are shorted with their home care visits. There's a huge problem with the working conditions for for uh, the personal support workers. Um, and uh, again, with this funding model, are the hospitals, you know, going to hog the money? Well, you know, that that's certainly going to be a concern of community service providers who see hospital hubs developing. Hospitals haven't necessarily done a great job of planning community services. That's not their job. So, you know, the idea of integration... Jumping, but, but, Bob, don't you think we're jumping to some conclusions here? I don't think that the game plan long-term is to have hospitals run the health care system, because if that were the case, uh, I think that the announcement would have been somewhat different. Uh, I, I do believe, as you said, I agree with you, that a lot of the home care visits are community visits. But... To that point, Libby, you're absolutely right. It's been appalling right now. It's been rationed. People have been waiting to get into the next area of care uh, because our care coordination was abysmal. So I would allow for the possibility that this government would ensure that there would be integration with home care and primary care, which is the one thing that is needed and has never properly happened. Peter, do you have a view on that? Well, I certainly think that there needs to be a higher level of service for people with home care. I deal with a lot of seniors in my riding who try to get or have had home care services provided in the past and have seen those diminish and diminish and diminish over the years. And the funding seems to... May I finish? Sure. Thank you. Um, And who have seen the funding frozen effectively and those home care agencies just spreading it out between a larger and larger number of people. So I I think Dr. Bell's correct. This is uh, an area that people should be worried about. But I just want to go back to Francesca's point. The simple reality is the more people making profit out of the system, the less service there's going to be, and the more incentive there's going to be for those 
for-profit providers to make as much money as they can. Well, and that's I've seen that with friends in the United money. States. Let him finish, please. Pardon? Uh, I was, go ahead, Peter. Um, I've seen friends of mine in the United States who had health problems down there um, go to a hospital, be told that they needed surgery, come back to Toronto because they couldn't afford the surgery down there, and simply had their dislocated shoulder put back in place by a, an emergency room doctor who just pulled their shoulders so that the socket could be realigned. We're going to see more and more people, more and more companies, wanting to make money off of us. And no, we probably, at this stage, don't have to pull out a Visa card or a credit card to get services. But the reality is we will get less and less as more and more goes to investors, not to the people who need the care. Uh, and I'm, that's what people should be worried about with this bill. Yeah, I'm not sure where where the investors come in if you have uh, uh, hospitals and home care agencies and, and, and whatnot banding together. Nadia, uh, what do you say to all of this? So I want to go back to the home care piece. Um, I, I do find it frustrating as a frontline provider that when I ask for home care, it either, it sometimes shows up, sometimes doesn't. And part of the problem that we have now in Ontario is a series of silos between frontline providers, including family medicine specialists, acute care, long-term care, and community and home-based care networks. Each exists almost as if, an, as if it's an island to itself, and that's not the way the patient exists. The patient has various needs. Ontario has suffered from lack of coordination and communication between parts of the system, and those parts of the systems become cracks in the system. And that's when patients fall through those cracks. So the way it is right now has got to change. I mean, it's, it's crazy that I now have a patient who's turning 100 and needs home care, and home care doesn't show up. And it's not because they're not trying. I firmly believe they're trying to do their best to make to provide the services that are needed. There just aren't enough of them, and they're not very well coordinated. And that lack of coordination is a big problem with the new legislation, with this new move towards, and this emphasis, this open, stated emphasis towards integration, making that a primary responsibility of these integrated care delivery systems, I think will help create that wraparound care, that seamless continuum of care that patients really need, um, whether they're in the hospital system, whether they're in the primary care system. Again, Bob Bell, uh, what are the chances if, I mean, you know, if you get together in a group, so you have hospitals uh, with very sophisticated leadership that are used to advocating for money and long-term care, the same, and then these uh, small community agencies for home care. Well, I think one of the concerns is the giant leap of faith that we're making, that the local integration of services will occur and that the talent necessary for that integration is going to be present in the groups who can bring together integrated forces under the new legislation, if it's similar to the old legislation that was leaked. Um, That's a big leap of faith, um, especially a big leap of faith when this is going to be governed by a super agency Board. We don't know who the players are. We don't know what the mandate is. The super agency CEO, we don't know who that person is. This is the biggest change to happen in Ontario in 50 years. And we're being asked to look at a number of new structures to deal with problems that absolutely exist. But these new structures, they're going to take on a huge challenge And believe me, I know from being deputy minister, when we simply merged the CCACs into the lens, 
that was an enormous amount of work. It took a year and a half to do. And now we're talking about something that probably is 10 times as big. Uh, it would scare me um, to actually have responsibility to bring that on. And we're relying a lot on a super agency that at this point we know nothing about. Peter Tabins, uh so we have this big, huge change happening uh, and Obviously, one of the ideas behind it is to get rid of layers of administration. Uh, the the uh, government is characterizing this as, as back office. Now, they came to power saying people weren't going to lose their jobs. But uh, do you have any idea how many people are likely to lose their jobs in this? I don't think anyone has any idea, Libby. I haven't seen any numbers presented. I don't know if there will actually be cost savings in the end. I think those are all open questions. Um, You're right, the Premier said no one would lose their job. So if he's saying this is going to be a massive shedding of jobs, I'm curious as to how he reconciles those two positions. Uh, I just know this is a government that hired Ruben Devlin uh, for a million bucks to advise on how to redo the system. We haven't seen a report from him, and we're seeing a huge rewrite of the system. Uh, One has to ask, why on earth are we spending a million dollars if the government's already decided what it's going to do? Well, I, I have to respectfully disagree. I think that uh, Dr. Devlin's counsel, first of all, did put out a report that very clearly articulated the problems that people were experiencing. Those problems were predicated on a lack of integration. This government is putting forward a plan to integrate. I think the big difference is whether you want to use the approach that the former government did, which is government dictates, it's top-down, or whether you want to have a little faith that the providers can actually do a better job. Because the big problem with home care, quite frankly, was that you had to be bottlenecked through an eligibility process that didn't allow you to move down the road. So um, I would just put that out there. Okay. Uh, Peter, I'm going to let you have the uh, the wrap-up first, because I know you have to go. So uh, what would you like to leave us with, on uh, Peter, and uh, where do we go next with this? Well, Libby, there's no doubt that our health care system is vital to us. It makes a huge difference in people's lives on a daily basis. Uh, it was not left in good shape by the Liberals. They squeezed it. They squeezed it very hard. And they left structures that have been hugely problematic for us. So there's no question that the health care system needs to have a lot of attention. But my sense from this government is the direction they're going in. Uh, the move towards more and more private delivery of services, even if it's still covered by OHIP cards, is going to bleed the system. And I think people should be very leery of what's been brought forward by Ford. Libby, thanks for the chance to speak okay. to this today. Really okay, Peter, it. thank you for that. Okay. Okay. And uh, Nadia, what would you like to leave us with on this? I think the system is ripe for change. We're ripe for transformational change. Um, the devil is in the details, and so the Ontario Medical Association is very interested in analyzing, reading and analyzing the legislation in full. Um, the way it is right now, the system, the status quo is untenable. We have to change the healthcare system. This hopefully is an answer. It's worth trying. It's worth making sure that patients get the kind of care that they deserve, get the kind of integrated care that spans 
the usual silos that the healthcare system has existed in, in for a long time, and that any savings that are found from efficiencies, from quality improvement, from all of that, will be put right back into the frontline services our patients need. Okay, uh, Francesca. Yeah, I'm, I'm anxious to see less uh, over management because management is important. I think, you know, I could tomorrow get into a hospital by self-referral uh, just by waiting in the emergency room. So I'm looking very much forward to an integration and to have the providers actually take hold and be held to account for managing those patients through the system, which is what I am reading when I hear the uh, the minister's announcement today. Okay, and Dr. Bob Bell, you're... Thanks, Libby. Well, you know, I'll reiterate my concerns that this is a huge change. No question, as Nettie has mentioned, Francesca has mentioned, we need to improve the quality of service in the Ontario healthcare system. I just hope that the incremental change, the incremental improvements that are being made on every day by great providers aren't going to be held up by this transformation that in other provinces has caused everything to kind of freeze for up to five years in Alberta while the new super agency got its legs underneath it and everything else stopped. That's part of what concerns me. Okay, well, um, as it turns out, I will be talking to the health minister, Christine Elliott, tomorrow. So I will ask her about all those things. And in the meantime, thank you so much to Francesca Grosso, Dr. Bob Bell, and Dr. Nadia Alam. I really appreciate your take on all of this. Thanks, Libby. Thank you, Libby. Thank you so much, Libby. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one.